While studying in England for ministry in the Anglican Church, some American classmates of mine and I decided to take a little venture over to Rome, as we were all at different stages and considering becoming Catholic. We intended to visit some of the major Catholic shrines to pray, but one particular memory stands out. I'll tell you what it is, coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome, friends, to The Inner Life. I am Patrick Conley, and I'm grateful that you're joining us for another hour of on-air and online spiritual direction. So there were many highlights of our little pre-Catholic pilgrimage to Rome, but the one particular event that stands out just a bit above the others was our attendance at a Wednesday audience of His Holiness Pope Benedict XVI. Some local connections who were in the know advised us to show up early and to secure spots near the railings in order to get a close-up look at the Pope. And sure enough, after chatting and waiting for a pretty significant time, but it was a beautiful day in St. Peter's Square, the Popemobile began to make its way through the corridors formed amongst the gathered faithful by these railings. And when he passed by us, he was only a few feet away, smiling and waving from his perch on the Popemobile. But there was something else about that day that was even more striking. The Pope gave us his address in Italian, and then he himself gave summaries of his address in multiple other languages, including English. But what really stands out to me was when they started announcing the different places where the pilgrims present at that audience were from. With the listing of each country or region, a joyful shout would go up from the people from there, and Pope Benedict would immediately kind of jump in his seat and stretch out his hand in the direction of the shout with a welcoming wave. He just, he seems so joyful to be sharing this time together with Christian brothers and sisters from around the world. It was a fantastic picture of the unity and the universality of the church, which of course we celebrate today, especially on the Feast of the Chair of St. Peter. Now, that's as close, to date anyway, as I've ever gotten to a pope. But that was before I was even received into the church. Nonetheless, I was moved to tears of gratitude when Pope Francis first appeared on the balcony overlooking St. Peter's Square. Because every Catholic has a bond of connection with our Holy Father, the Pope, with our local bishop, and with our parish priest. And that's what we'll be investigating on the show today, your relationship with your priest, your bishop, and your Pope. Joining us as our spiritual director and discussion guide today is Father Mike Martin. Father Mike is a conventual Franciscan priest and the pastor of St. Philip Anitzi in Jonesboro, Georgia. Father Mike, welcome back to the program. Thanks for joining us again. Patrick, great to be with you today, and uh, happy Lent. I hope uh, you're enjoying this Lenten season as we all try and uh, deepen our relationship uh, with Christ through uh, everyday forms of sacrifice. How's it going yes. for you? Yeah, indeed. Nine days in, I would say it's going pretty well so far. I'm I'm feeling closer to the Lord. I'm sensing that I'm closer to the Lord, doing uh, doing what I can to uh, live out Lent in its in its best ways. I suppose. How about you? Yeah, you know, I, I um, <clears throat> actually I had. Uh, it's fortuitous that we're here. I just came from my spiritual director and confessor, so uh, um, the Lenten journey is. Uh, uh, progressing, and I feel like um, it's been a it's been a good uh, it's been a good uh, journey so far. So yeah, thank you. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for being with us today, Father. Have you ever had uh, Have you ever had the opportunity to meet a pope or to uh, be in the presence of a pope? 
Well, um, funny you should mention that. I uh, I do like to be a bit of a name dropper, you know. That uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do have here uh, in my office uh, a few pictures of myself with uh, uh, Saint Pope John Paul II. Um, nice. I was able to study theology uh, in Rome for three years, and so on a number of different occasions uh, was able to uh, meet with him. Um, I recall my first encounter with him. He had come to visit our, our Franciscan uh, seminary, and uh, each one of us was introduced by our minister general to the Holy Father. And, I, of course, I, I, was, I had just gotten there, <clears throat> pardon me, and was uh, my Italian was still a little rough, but I, uh, <laughs> uh, I had practiced everything that, uh, that I was going to say to him when, when I was introduced. And uh, so the minister general introduced him. He said, this is Michael. He's from one of our provinces in in the United States and the Holy Father said oh America America and then I went so I was quite tongue-tied and uh, so yeah and then uh, I served at a few uh, papal masses uh, and for those who do um, you always have the blessing of being able to, to be greeted by the Holy Father afterwards so uh, um, nice. yeah that was a, it was a very uh, very moving uh, experience. Um, uh, interesting story. At that uh, time, when he was at our seminary, uh, they had uh, they had he had asked for some tea, and they brought him some hot tea. Um, and uh, they didn't know that he took his tea with milk, and so someone had put some lemon into his uh -oh. tea, and then he poured some <laughs> milk, and of course, it immediately curdled. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we, we served the Holy Father some rancid tea. <laughs> well, uh, I guess he just, just furthering, perhaps it was Lent then, you were furthering his Lenten experience <laughs> exactly. at that exactly. point too, right, yeah. Well, uh, of course, the Pope is the successor of St. Peter, and uh, of course we have this passage from Matthew 16, known by many Catholics, of um, when Jesus gives Peter his name, Peter, and proclaims that on this rock I will build my church, the powers of death shall not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So we oftentimes see, we know the keys are a symbol of St. Peter as well. Why Why would you say that St. Peter is such a foundational uh, and a central, significant scriptural figure in the Gospels? Well, I, th I think certainly, first and foremost, it's because Jesus wanted it that way. Wow. Um, you know, Jesus is super clear especially in this passage, but elsewhere, you know, that uh, even though we, we know the relationship that he had with John um, and the intimacy that was there, that he desired Peter to function in a very specific way. And um, he, he took great lengths to, uh, to make that known. And, um, and it was, it was, evident amongst the disciples that Peter was, you know, the rock. And so while we have certain passages that, that clearly articulate that, what emerges um, throughout the Acts of the Apostles, uh, even with the, the powerful preaching of St. Paul, that still it was Jesus's intention that Peter should lead. And uh, and so, you know, the, the primacy of, of, of Peter there is, is directly 
um, linked to to the the will of Christ, and so um, we can't you can't get around that. You, you know, why would Jesus do this if that wasn't Jesus's intention? And so uh, I think we have to continue to um, acknowledge that Peter is this figure because Jesus wants him to be that figure, and Jesus, pardon me, Peter with all of his flaws. You know, right. Peter with all of his quirks, with all of his, you know, dynamics that you know are are not necessarily leadership material. You know, and 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 yet, um, you know, he becomes uh, he is uh, whom Jesus wanted to to build his church upon. Yeah, that's a, it's a good point, and knowing that, uh, and I'm so grateful that the Gospels give us such a an authentic view of Saint Peter. Right, that he's not just a some sort of levitating superhuman figure, but he's got, like you said, quirks and foibles and flaws, like the rest of us do. And and yet, um, through Jesus's choice and his his grace, his appointment of Saint Peter means so much to us today. Well, what about what about today's pope? What about uh, what is what is our relationship? Not just to Pope Francis in specific, but um, to the Catholics, to an ordinary kind of average pew sitting Catholic like myself. Um, what does the Pope mean to me? Or what should the Pope mean to me? Yeah, you know, um, I, I think uh, if, as you said, you know, to open the show, you know, the the pilgrimage you all took to St. Peter's Square that day, and, and there's, there's something there. And, you know, maybe uh, it's just there... You know, it's beyond maybe being able to put into words, even as I describe my own experience of being tongue-tied and not having any really, right. <laughs> any really good words to be able to say that um, my experience has been uh, one of uh, tremendous respect for the office and for the person. That, you know, we, we, we do differentiate between the two at times, uh, at the same time, we acknowledge the unity of of both, and so as Catholics, um, we absolutely have to uh, re- reverence the office, while at the same time um, we have to respect the person because we're called to respect all persons. But this particular person has been placed in this office. And, and to see within the person the will of the Holy Spirit uh, and, and made manifest through the unique qualities of any particular pontiff. And, you know, we have seen, you know, in the last, you know, 20 years, three different men with three very different um, skill sets and, yeah. and qualities and uh, the the Holy Spirit provides based on the you know the the particular moment in the church, and so I think we need to uh, sit in awe uh, of of the the work of the Holy Spirit. Not you know that we you know we only claim the Pontiff infallible when he actually claims infallibility you know so he's got he goes to confession like the rest of us and he's sinful like the rest of us at the same time um his office uh requires us to uh 
you know, to hold him in a, a certain regard that's different than we hold anyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, as memory serves, that was one of uh, Pope Francis's first, uh, well, I was going to say revelations. Of course, none of us are, I hope, too surprised that any pope would could be saying this, but is that when asked, who, who are you? Um, he says, I am a sinner. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and that's... Uh, it's it should be and it is to me anyway. It's it's very comforting to know that yes, um, this is this is again just like Peter himself, our good Saint Peter himself. Yeah, not uh, not without his own quirks, foibles, and flaws as we already talked about. So wonderful. And I, and yeah. I think the the challenge in that is trying to hold up the office from, if I can be so bold as to try to, you know. Uh, speak from the perspective of the, the the Holy Father, but which is a big jump, by the way. But um, <laughs> that he has to acknowledge the truth of his own personal reality, while at the same time upholding the dignity of the uh, of the uh, the office for which he knows he's not qualified, other yeah. than however the Holy Spirit qualifies him. So. The, the 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 challenge there of balancing reverence for the office and acknowledgement of the the weakness of the person is a, a very interesting uh, balance and I think if anything pontiffs maybe in the past have um, have maybe if they were going to err they might err on the side of um, deferring to the reverence of the office, um, and maybe I think um, we, we saw it a little bit in uh, in John the twenty third, um, not so much in Paul the sixth, maybe a little bit in John Paul the first. I think we saw some of it in John Paul the second, who by allowing himself to be so accessible and to see him as a you know, as a guy who goes skiing and a guy who, you right. know, wants to meet with young people, it, you know, like by giving us access to him, he showed us a side of himself personally. And then Benedict XVI did it beautifully in stepping away and real and saying, look, I, I, I can't do this anymore, you know? And I think Pope Francis ha- has, has done that as well. So, the, you know, the last, however many pontiffs that is, we've, we've seen, not so much a uh, accentuation of the, uh, the the office being this preferential place, mm-hmm. always upholding that, but they've also shown us maybe the, the pendulum has swung a little bit the other way where they, they've also been willing to say, you know, I'm a sinner. You know, yeah. this person is the one who, you know, who, who sits in this chair, who functions in this office. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it certainly does, and it's a good reminder too that uh, yeah, that uh, God doesn't, as as has been said, right? God doesn't call the qualified; He qualifies the called. So called. So uh, yeah, that's that's what we're about today here in, in the inner life. We're talking about your relationship with the Pope, with bishops, and with clergy. If you'd like to get in on the conversation, maybe have some questions about how you could relate better to the Pope or to your bishop or even to your parish priest, give us a call at 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. That line is sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. We thank them for that. You can also send us an email at innerlife at relevantradio.com. Well, Father, uh, 
moving from the from the Holy Father, from from Pope, right now Pope Francis, of course, to our local bishop. One of the things that was rather um, surprising, I guess, to me as I became Catholic and started to learn the ways of, of Catholicism, is that when we speak of the local church, we're not particularly speaking about the parish, but we're speaking about the diocese. And my understanding is the bishop has a lot to do with that. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know it 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 is. I think, a testament to the work of the Holy Spirit that the universal church functions with this very, you know, unique uh, structure that, uh, that provides such, um, when I say autonomy, that's probably not the right word, so, but I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time finding another one, but but empowerment, I guess I should say, to the local church, the particular church, right. um, where wherever we find ourselves, and 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 yet still calls for a communion, uh, you know, of the bishops uh, as the successors of Peter uh, under the uh, auspices of the of the Holy Father, and the fact that that is still. <laughs> rolling, you know, 2,000 years later is incredible. Yeah. It really, well, I say it's incredible. It, 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 the faith that is required is proven in the fact that we are still um, uh, going as a church with, with this model. And so yeah. I think that, that that should say something to us, that uh, the individual particular church of uh, I'm here in the Archdiocese of Atlanta. I don't know where, where where are you, Patrick? I'm in Central Wisconsin, the Diocese of La Crosse. La Crosse, you know mm-hmm. where you know in, in these two different churches there is uh, a certain amount of um, particularity, and yet there is such incredible commonality and such incredible communion, right. you know, in different parts of the country, different parts of the world. That that just speaks to the unifying um, reality of the body of Christ that yeah. is led by the Holy Father. And then where these individual bishops are challenged to carry out that leadership with that unique um, balance of, um, of leadership and communion. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is. Uh, the more I understand about it, the the more just uh, grace filled it becomes in my mind. That uh, that it should endure for so long and under so so such. I mean, trials and tribulations that we faced sure. over two thousand years, yeah. but uh, but um, still endures, and which is great. And you can go to St. Peter's Square and stand right there and view view the Pope as he passes through <laughs> the successor of St. Peter. Uh, it's so great. We are talking about our relationships with the Pope, with the Bishop, and with your parish priest today on the program. How do you pray for the Pope? Do you pray for the Pope regularly? Do you pray for your Bishop regularly? How have priests, bishops, or popes inspired you on your spiritual journey? We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. You can always send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. We're off into our first break, but we'll be back with more of the conversation with Father Mike Martin coming up right after this.
Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers, invites high school juniors, seniors, and recent graduates to study the great books this summer at UD's two-week-long Arate program while earning three hours of college credit. Info at relevantradio.com slash udallas. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio on RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. Thanks for listening today as we're talking with Father Mike Martin, a conventional Franciscan priest and pastor of St. Philip Benici in Jonesboro, Georgia, about your relationship with your parish priest, with your bishop, and with your pope as well. We've been uh, uncovering some great things here, Father. I wanted to get back into the office of bishop for just a moment. Can you briefly explain uh, what it means that our bishops are the successors of the apostles? Yeah, um, I, I think that uh, early on in the life of the church, uh, the uh, the the reality of what we call apostolic succession was evident. That there needed to be a continuous, unbroken uh, line that connected uh, the faithful throughout the world to the uh, chair of Peter, and that. The, the need for that was, first and foremost, as time continued, and, and again, early on, very early in the life of the church, there was not a sense that, you know, we all, they all thought their days were numbered, you know, that the, the second coming was, was soon to come. And as it became more apparent that, well, soon was a relative term, that we were going to need to, uh, to make certain that the connection to Christ uh, within the church remained solid, that it remained something that was not only appreciated, but practiced by all those uh, who, who came in contact with, uh, with the good news. And especially as with you know, St. Paul's uh, missionary journeys, as well as the other apostles who took the faith to other lands, the, the spread of the gospel required the continuous connection back to Peter and um, just, you know, not simply on an administrative level, although there are certainly benefits to that, but more importantly, on the level of faith, that our faith is linked in, in is inseparable from the communion that exists in the body of Christ. And so there is a need to maintain that communion, and that's what apostolic succession provides for the church. It allows for, as years roll on and years become decades and decades become centuries and centuries become millennia, that we still maintain that consistent connection to our roots, to Peter, and to obviously to the the life of the resurrected Christ, and so um, it it succession is a challenge in any organization, leadership succession. But it's amazing how the church, because of the work of the Holy Spirit, has been able to uh, allow that apostolic succession to flourish and respond uniquely to the the needs of particular churches, while at the same time remaining always connected and uh, uh, aligned with, um, with Peter. Yeah. 
it is pretty amazing again as we as we even contemplate it that it's longevity over time but that, that connection that uh, that direct connection as you said father not just to saint peter and the apostles but also to our resurrected lord which is of course primary and what we're what we're after right if you have a comment or a question about your relationship with your priest with your bishop with the pope himself give us a call join the conversation 888-914-9149 again 888-914-9149 or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Let's go now to the phones, Father. We've got Shine calling him from San Diego, California. Shine, welcome to the Inner Life. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Father. And uh, morning. thank you for your service and love to the people of the world and to God. Uh, my comment is uh, about the priesthood and the holy orders sometimes being underappreciated. Because for me, um, all through the hardship of my life, it was the priesthood that uh, actually uh, make me feel most the love of God. Why? Because these people are dedicated all their life to serve us and our Lord, and um, especially, um, you know, when we had the uh, um, the children were abused, all that news. Yes, like very few did that, but it doesn't mean all the priesthood of the Catholic Church are like that, you know. We are still the production of the holiest people and the greatest, um, you know, guidance and counselors through our priesthood. And, uh, yeah, it's it's really sad. And sometimes we have to remember, too, that, uh, you know, our Lord, one of his apostles, betrayed him. So that's kind of like our warning to us that, yes, they will be betrayed, but it doesn't mean that the rest are not going to be doing their work. And we are all in a journey, including our priests. They, too, are getting formed. The apostles themselves are not perfect right away, but uh, are not, uh, you know, as Gantan. <laughs> they also went through a lot of trials and errors. So we have to be patient with our priests, you know. It's good to greet them, give them respect, say hi, you know. If we can <laughs> hug them, let's hug them, you know. Especially we have to pray for them all the time. That's and, very kind, uh, yeah. very kind of you, Shine. I, I, I think you, um, and uh, if you ever want to move to Atlanta, you're more than welcome to be a parishioner <laughs> here. We, uh, but I, I, I do feel very supported uh, by so many of our parishioners, and I, and I'm sure your pastor or the priests at your parish feel the same way. And I, you know, the vast majority of of folks are uh, incredibly supportive, uh, without a doubt, um, and so. Uh, I, I think that the um, the call out there also is that we need to live into the um, the wonderful support that is given to us by our parishioners and make sure that um, that we continue to challenge ourselves and challenge one another as, as brother priests to uh, to realize the call to which uh, God has uh, asked us to to respond and to make certain that. Uh, with God's grace, we can live into that uh, the, the the worthiness with again with our weaknesses. But um, the, there's no there is no um, way to excuse uh, any abuse of that, and that's that's where the abuse scandal I think was um, just multiplied uh, because of the uh, the not only the trust but the uh, or not only the respect, but also the the trust that people had placed in their priests, and to see some of them act in the way that they did, 
is just it's it's unthinkable. So, sure, we 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 appreciate the support of parishioners, uh, but we also have to call ourselves to an accountability to our parishioners as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, Father. Shine, thank you for the phone call and for the for the great uh, support and love that you're showing for the priesthood as well. Appreciate that. One of the things that Shine's call brings up to my mind, Father, is that uh, well, she said you feel the most love through the priesthood, and and I, I'm kind of reading into what she said, I suppose. But what I'm thinking is that yeah, I mean, I don't have um, daily or weekly or monthly or you know sometimes not even annually uh, the opportunity to be even in the same place as my bishop. Um, so, but at the same time, you know, I know that Pope Francis was encouraging the shepherds to smell like the sheep. So, I guess my question to you is. You know, how do we how do we regard that? How do we help our shepherds, not just our bishops, but our priests as well, to to smell like us as, as a member, as one of the flock? Yeah, um, it's it's such a great analogy that it um, it helps us to realize that you only you only get to smell like them when you're rub, you know rubbing elbows, and so um, it it does place so much of the onus of that responsibility upon the bishop or the pastor or priest to make themselves available. At the same time, the, um, you know, you can and you should choose uh, from time to time to attend diocesan or archdiocesan functions where you know the, the, the bishop or the archbishop or cardinal or whatever is going to be present and going to be celebrating so, so yeah. as to avail yourself of the opportunity to hear what he has to say and to experience uh, his presence, but also uh, if the opportunity, you know, avails, makes itself available to be able to respond. I mean, I think the synod and and the whole process of synodality has, um, you know, we're having uh, a session here at our parish next week where the archbishop is actually going to be the one um, um, that's facilitating it. And, and so, gosh, all of the folks here in the Archdiocese of Atlanta not only have the opportunity to come here and listen, but more importantly, they have to, the opportunity to come here and speak. And so, right. if anything, the, the, the Holy Father has um, made or has created or has emphasized a dynamic within the church of synodality, which does allow for if if you're not close enough to smell like them, you're at least close enough to sound like them. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I think yeah. that's where the faithful need to maybe, uh, and, and this is a thing, I'm getting off on a tangent here, but where I think as a church, especially in the United States, we were the victims of our own success. We have mm. so drilled into people's minds the importance of the parish that sometimes that's the only thing that parishioners can see or think about. And, and the thought of, you know, helping another parish or the thought of being connected to the broader diocese or archdiocese is, you know, well, that's kind of above my pay grade. No, mm. it's not. It's mm. not that that connection, that road goes both ways. And, and, and so I think all parishioners or all the faithful can say, how have I in the last year taken my opportunity or an opportunity to be in the presence of the bishop to be able to hear him or to make myself be heard. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, another thing that I think is is pretty, uh, I think it's universally known that uh, usually when we hear news, unless we're specifically dialed in, which we try to be here at Relevant Radio, uh, of course, and all the, the good things that are happening in the church and in and around the church, we try to highlight those on a regular basis, of course. But uh, but oftentimes what makes the uh, maybe the secular news headlines are bad news and, uh, you know, this pope did this or this bishop did that and whatever it is. And Shine was making some reference to this as well. So I guess one of the questions is, you know, maybe something comes out in the news and we find ourselves at odds with whatever it is that uh, the bishop said. Um, how do we, how do we um, deal with that when we find ourselves in a situation like that? Yeah, I, I would just say to you that, um, you know, any of us who are, you know, who have family have heard things said by our brothers or sisters or spouses or parents or, you know, whatever the relationship and thought to ourselves, what does that mean? Or where's that coming from? Or, you know, I'm not sure I agree with that. And um, I, I do believe that there are uh, different uh, venues uh, to allow us to explore that. You know, it's interesting. And, <clears throat> you know, I, I I'm not sure this analogy is always the best, but you know, I I rarely heard my parents um, speak about um, you know in front of us about you know dynamics that were taking place in their relationship, and I think that that's appropriate. And so, but sure. I I'm certain that they discuss their relationship with each other in an appropriate forum, and so that's where um, as lay faithful we're called to say, okay, what's that appropriate forum? I do not believe at all that social media is that forum. I, yeah. I, I think that that is, it's like saying, you know, to me, the life of faith is too sacred to make, you know, um, anonymous comments about and say that that's res respecting, that's a respectful forum in which to, to carry out that conversation. I, to me, it it is so impersonal, and it it so misses because the 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 things that are being discussed are so important. It requires face to face encounter. I need to see your face as you're saying it. I need to hear your inflection as you're speaking it. I need to read your body language as you're as you're emoting whatever it is that you're talking about. And that doesn't happen on social media, and so. Um, but that requires more time on my part. It re requires more effort for yeah. me to, you know, to get out. So I think um, having the proper venue is critical and reflecting on what is that. You and I know that um, anybody that we have to speak with about something that's important, we always say to ourselves first, I hope, is what's a good time to speak to him or her? Yes, and where right. where is the location? You know what, for the best possible communication, I'm not going to talk with my spouse. You know, after nine o'clock at night because she's a zombie after nine o'clock at night. I respect her. I love her too much to to spring something on her at ten fifteen when she's you know just zonked from you know a hard day or what. And so that's where we have to have not every forum that the world says should be all where discussion takes place necessarily is the right way to have conversations about our agreements or our struggles to agree and to be faithful 
Um, I'm sorry, I probably went a little long there, but no, I just I feel I feel passionate about that. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think your recommendations are right on to seek out the appropriate venue and the appropriate time in which to have these conversations and not to take to things like social media to air our grievances against uh, whatever it is that we may have heard, which may or may not be true or may be part of the truth anyway. So. Yeah, well, now is a good time to speak with Father Mike Martin, uh, and as he is leading us through a discussion about your relationship with your, with your Pope, with your Bishop, and with your priest. If you have comments or questions, or if you'd like to give some, some love out, shout out some to uh, your parish priest, your bishop, or even Pope Francis. Hey, give us a call. We'd love to get you on the air. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Again, eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine, or send us an email: innerlife at relevantradio.com. We're into our next break, but we got more coming up right after this. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers, invites high school juniors, seniors, and recent graduates to study the great books this summer at UD's two-week-long Arete program while earning three hours of college credit. Info at relevantradio.com slash udallas. back here on The Inner Life. My name is Patrick Conley. Thanks for joining us. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, our producer, and Thomas Engeser on the phones for us today. Hey, if you haven't really gotten your Lent even off the ground yet, no judgment here. Hey, it's never too late to start. So do it now. Why not sign up for Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass? Get a little video snippet just uh, each day of Lent explaining the, the Mass and helping you to get more out of it. You can find it all, all the information at relevantradio.com slash Lent. That's relevantradio.com slash Lent. Talking today about your relationship with the Pope, with your bishop, and with your parish priest, with our with our spiritual director, Father Mike Martin. And uh, Father, one of the things, too, um, you're talking about uh, talking with with uh, with your the people that you might have a, a disagreement with or something that's under your skin about something like that. How about with your parish priest? I mean, when is a good time or a good time not to or not a good time to speak with your parish priest? Right after mass. <laughs> <It's not laughs> good time. Okay, good to know. Right, <laughs> it's not a good time. I mean, hey, you know, for you know, fun chit chat and hey, how are you? Or to to maybe offer a quick compliment. Um, is always great. Um, is always great and affirming to hear. If you have a serious issue, or you, um, or you have a, 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 say, a complaint or something, that that is really not the time. The, the your your pastor or the associate or any of your priests, you know, or even the bishop, you know, they they're trying to. There's a, a zillion people going around, and there's not enough energy to be able to dial in to be present to you and to listen to what you have to say and so um you know just call the office and and make an appointment um or just even as you're walking by say hey can i come and see you sure great you know i'm not going to be able to make that appointment with you right now give a call to the office they put you right on my calendar i'm not saying every par- parish works like that but um you know just uh, or give a call if you want you know, you feel more comfortable just calling. Um, sure, that that's fine too. But right after mass is is just uh, you know I'm usually spent. I, I got you know I'm just yeah. I don't have anything to be uh, to be as attentive as I need to be for you. 
Yeah. So maybe the quick compliment, but uh, if we got some kind of grievance to air, that it would be, uh, it'd probably be better to make an appointment is what I'm hearing exactly. you say. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk a, li- a little bit about our parish priests, our pastors, uh, those who are serving us in our, in our congregation, probably as it were, the face of the church to us so often, um, specifically in the living out of our Catholic faith on a day-to-day basis. And, uh, Father, I mean, a lot of people, thanks be to God, um, we know from the callers, from the emails that we receive that a lot of people, relevant radio listeners, have a great relationship with their parish priest. Um, but there still might be some who feel a bit alienated. I mean, there's there's not um, there's not a great way, or they haven't established a good relationship with their parish priest. Any suggestions on how they might move forward in that? Yeah, you know, I, I think um, I'm always sensitive to the fact that you know, the vast majority of people have not had a personal conversation with uh, a priest mm-hmm. and are, you know, maybe just uncomfortable or don't know where to start. And uh, I would I would say to you, the vast majority of priests that I know um, want to be in conversation with you, you know, and are there for you. That's That's why we serve. We want to have those conversations. And so uh, it might be easiest for you to describe what's easiest for you. You know, in other words, uh, meeting at a coffee shop or um, just start with a, a written note saying, hey, this is me and I just wanted you to know I'm, I'm praying for you. But find some way to reach out. It's it for us as as priests, um, we there just isn't the time for us to be, you know, reaching out to people we don't know to say, hey, I don't know you. I'd like to get to know you more. I I tried to do some of that when I first uh, came to this parish and um, and it was beneficial. You know, I I was able to get uh, to know, you know, some people a little bit uh, more quickly. At the same time, I know that there were a zillion people who um, or maybe less engaged, or what have you, um, and as a result, I didn't get a chance, uh, or haven't yet gotten the chance to get to know them more. And so, yeah. some of the onus there is on uh, parishioners to be able to say, "I will make myself available by engaging in the life of the parish." So much so that those opportunities will arise when I can see Father Mike in some different venue and and sure. um and and get to know him a little bit more rub elbows and um smell a little bit more like each other there you go yeah all right great great suggestions father let's go back to the phones hi patrick um actually fellow franciscans for father here in minneapolis but Way i'm to on go, my Maria. road to wisconsin <laughs> nice i had a question about um so being Catholic my whole life, I understand this. I don't understand it. I accept the authority of the chair of St. Peter and the Pope, but now I'm older with Protestant friends. Even some of my family have become Protestant. Why is that, um, that I don't know, that chair of St. Peter, why is it so important that we have that one authority? I see how it works. But I, I just am, I, I, there's such wisdom that God did in it, and I just don't totally understand, like, the whole purpose of that wisdom. 
And then I'm yeah. just going to hang up and listen. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Maria. I appreciate your call. And, you know, you're, you're voicing a question that a lot of people uh, have. Certainly a lot of Catholics, we don't always understand how some of our other uh, Christian brothers and sisters, you know, how do they, um, how do they not connect with, uh, with the chair of Peter and what, what's that all about? I, I would say to you that um, it's, there, you have to ask yourself as a believer, how did we come to determine what it is we believe? And for many of our uh, Christian brothers and sisters in other faith denominations, um, in particular those you know that we might refer to generally as as Protestant, um, you know, they rely heavily on sacred scripture and uh, have often uh, said that you know. If it's not in Scripture, it doesn't, you know, we're not really concerned with it. Not that they're not concerned, but, it, you know, that's where the authority lies in Scripture. It doesn't lie in the, you know, the person of, you know, the pontiff. And while certainly the Scripture has tremendous authority, we, you know, we don't deny that at all, um, I, I think it begs the question, how did we determine what Scripture was uh, or is inspired, that it actually took a church that was led by Peter and his apostolic uh, succession to determine, you know, what we actually consider today as um, the inspired Word of God. And so, um, th- with without that external manifestation of the work of the Holy Spirit in the church, that is you know, not only in in Scripture, uh, we probably wouldn't have the sacred Scripture that we have today. And so that's a quick, easy um, appreciation for the role that is is necessary in the life of any church mm. to have the Holy Spirit at work through people uh, that are living today. And uh, the, the effectiveness of that over... Uh, uh, 2,000 years, and the union of ourselves with that uh, chair of Peter over that 2,000 years, I think, is a testament to, you know, to its uh, its validity. Yeah. Amen to that old uh, three-legged stool of Scripture tradition in the magisterium, and uh, that's uh, really helping us in terms of that authority. Maria, thank you so much for the call. And I know, Father, just to, to follow up on that a little bit, I know that when I was considering becoming Catholic, it was pretty, uh, one of the big influences on me was uh, Newman, St. John Henry Newman. And, uh, of course, that was part of his conversion process, too, was the seeking out the need for a living authority in the church. Yeah, amen. Mm, I mean, yeah. I think the asking ourselves, you know, not only what do we need, but what has God provided? And, right. again, when you, when you go to Scripture, and, and Jesus is so emphatic and so uh, clear about um, the church being built upon this apostolic succession, that I don't know how you, I don't know how you end run around that. I, I just, yeah. I don't, doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, yeah, it's very good. Well, again, Maria, thank you so much for the call, Father. Just a couple seconds here before we ask for your blessing. But uh, any specific ways that you think of that we should continue to be upholding our our priests, our bishops, and our pope in prayer? Yeah, you know, I I think. Um, w- a lot of times people talk about, you know, today being, um, 
being so uh, fractured and, uh, and and I agree, you know, our, our current day is is fractured. I, I just don't think that that's anything new. Sin is as old as it gets, and there's uh, and it the world has been fractured uh, since the first sin, and so having some perspective on uh, on the 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 fact that the Holy Spirit hasn't left us, and that we can all have hope in the way in which the Holy Spirit is at work in the faithful and in the hierarchy of the church, that God has not abandoned us, uh, quite the opposite. Amen. Great words of encouragement from our spiritual director, Father Mike Martin. Father Mike, may we have a blessing from you as we close? Certainly. Lord Jesus, uh, you have so blessed us with uh, the life of St. Peter and his successors, and we are honored to uh, allow that mantle of, uh, of holiness to be uh, upon us. May we in humility uh, respond to it in obedience and in faith and trust. And may we always remain faithful to the body of Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Until next time, grace and peace.